Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our series, What's in Your Wallet? When you look inside your wallet, what do you see? Most of us, if we're honest, would like to see just a little bit more. Yet everything we have is a gift from God, and His Word has a lot to say about how we steward this gift. We hope you enjoy. Again, if you're a guest and joining us online, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us here today. We're, today we're going to be wrapping up a, a four-week adventure we've kind of been on together as a church. And, and we've called that adventure, What's in Your Wallet? And we've been asking the question of what is in your wallet, not how much it is, because we all know we'd like a little bit more, no matter how much is there. But rather, how do we see what's in our wallet? And I've been saying this throughout the series, but I just want to say it one more time. Church, I love you. I get the privilege of pastoring the best church in America. And you guys are just fantastic. And, and I, you guys are so generous with your time, with your finances. And I'm just so stinking proud of you guys for doing that. And, and I just want hope this series, like we talked about, has been an encouragement. I know that there are financial troubles that we face in life. And I pray that if that's you right now, that financial peace is going to be a great tool to help you in that situation. Amy and Jason are amazing people, and they want to help walk you through that and give you that. But but what I really hope this series has been is I hope I've been a, a cheerleader for you. To encourage you and tell you that, yes, you can be generous and, and with what God wants to do in your life. And if you, again, if you're just joining us for the first time, I'd encourage you to go back to our website, yankton.church. You can watch it on YouTube. We have our podcast as well. But just as kind of a way to kind of wrap this up, we want to go back and kind of look where we've been on this journey. And, and the first week, we kind of laid the foundation for it. We said all of our stuff, it's not really money that we like. We like stuff. <laughs> we like the stuff that money can get, that we can buy with money, right? And everything that I own, we made these statements, is on loan. At one point, everything that we own is going to go away. Everything I own is a gift from God. God has given us a gift, and we want to use that well. And everything I own has a purpose. There is a purpose for what we are to do with our stuff. And everything I own, I will give an account for. God will ask us, what do we do with the resources that he gave us? And the second week, we learned the secret of the word contentment. That's not a word that's very popular nowadays, and, and I made the analogy about how a lot of times our world teaches us to chase that rabbit, right? Just get that one more thing, and, and we look around, and we compare ourselves to other people, and, and we see what they have and what we're lacking, and, and we don't have that sense of appreciation or contentment. And church, we talked about that. That's, unfortunately, that's sin. That, that's saying to God, what you've given me is not enough. We talked about the importance of stop comparing what we don't have. And start enjoying instead what we do have. And if last week we talked about a very important principle. And this principle that we talked about is the principle of sowing. And if you remember we talked about this, we said you have to sow to grow. If you want to see fruit in your life, you've got to start planting some seeds. And I ask the question, what do you wish was growing in your life? And if you're not growing what you like, start planting something else. Start planning something different. We talked about how what you sow is what you'll grow. If you put corn in the ground, corn is going to grow. 
What are you planting in your life? Are you planting God's word? Or are you planting what the world says? Are you planting greed and envy? Or are you planting contentment and generosity? Because what you sow is what you grow. And the last part that we talked about is we are the sower, not the grower. We all think that we want to produce it and grow, and that's really God's job. Our job is to sow, and it's God's job to grow. We talked about how God is a faithful God. God is faithful. He's a God of his word. God is a fruitful God. He wants our lives to be fruitful and productive and multiply. But the greatest aspect of our God, who is our grower, is that he is a forgiving God. And no matter if you've made mistakes, no matter if your financial situation is a mess right now, my God is here to forgive. And today is a new day that we can move forward. So with that, today, we're going to wrap up this series by talking about something that's, that's interesting to talk about. We're going to talk about God's economy. Now, we're going to do a little lesson on economics. Now, as soon as I say that, I know a lot of you are like, oh boy, right? If you've ever seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, anybody see Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Okay, if you haven't, right, there, there's that, that, perfect, or that teacher who's very dry and very wrong, and he's like, Bueller, Bueller, right? And, and he's an economics teacher. So, I'm giving you a warning. I'm going to do a little economics lesson, all right? But I, I, I won't do the voice. I thought about it. But I don't want to lose you on this. Here's what we're going to talk about. Really, throughout modern history... There have been two types of economic systems, and we're going to talk about these. Here's the first one, and you might want to write these down if you want to. The first type of economic system is capitalism. Okay? That's what we're familiar with. We're familiar with capitalism. And here's the basis of capitalism. If I could just boil it down really simple for you. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. <laughs> so capitalism is I can go out and I can earn stuff and I can get stuff, and what's ever mine is I'm going to keep it. And the focus of capitalism is really me. I'm the focus of capitalism. I want to get what I want, and I want to earn that. Now, again, I love capitalism. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I love this country. I love that we're successful. I love that we are the richest country that has ever existed in the history of mankind. There's a reason for that. But, but can I just tell you this? There's also a downside to it. There, there's a lot of problems that come with it. There's, there's quite a gap between the, the wealthiest people in our country and the poorest. And, and there's some issues that can come up with capitalism. And so as a result of that, there's a second kind of mindset with economics that, that you may have heard of and been familiar with. The second one is communism. Now, if I were to give this message 30 years ago, I might have got stoned, okay? Because when he said communist when I was growing up, it was like something very negative. Now, now it's a different mindset. And, and this is the mindset of communism. What's yours is mine. And I'm going to keep it. Or I'm going to take it. I'm sorry. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. Basically, whatever you get, it belongs to all of us. The focus in communism is not me. The focus in communism is we. We. Now, it sounds really altruistic, if you want to use that word. Like, everybody should be equal. If there shouldn't be anybody who's lacking anything. And if there is, we're going to take it from over here. We're going to move it over here. We're going to make everything flat level. While that sounds good in theory, and many nations have tried it, in fact, there's a movement growing in our country that says we should be more like this, there's always been a huge problem with communism <laughs> and its people. <laughs> we are naturally self-centered people. And if we create a we, that means they also create an us or a them. 
right? And, and so who's the we? Who do we get? Who do we benefit? How do we take from that? So here's my point. Now, economics lesson's over, okay? So you can come back if you tuned out, okay? Here's my point in saying all this. This is what the world teaches us. This is how the world has tried to deal with economic situations. But, but can I tell you something? That's what we're going to talk about today. There's a third option. There's a third option. And, and this is my terminology. Let's go ahead and put it up there. It's called Christism. <laughs> okay, I see the play that I did. It's called Christism. Here, here's how Christism works. What's mine is God's. And I am going to give it. See, the focus in capitalism is me. The focus in communism is the we. But the focus in God's economic system is he. He is the focus. It's not me. It's not even we. It's he. So, the question I want to ask you is, how are your finances based? When we look at your budget, is it focused on me? Is it focused on we? Or is it focused on he? Because each one of us needs to decide that in our hearts. Where is our focus going to be? And where your faith is, is going to where your checkbook is also going to follow. I've heard, you've heard me say this before. If you show me your checkbook registry, where you've spent your money, I'll show you where your values are. I'll show you if you're living a me, we, or he lifestyle. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to be in the 19th verse. And what we're going to talk about here today is what Jesus says. This is that he mindset that Jesus tells us to do. And I'm going to be in verse 19. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the part. This is the he mindset. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. This world is not going to last. It's going to pass away. So we need to make sure we're having a he mindset. So the question is, how do we live with a he mindset? How do we live with a he mindset? We're going to honor God first. That's the key to that. We're going to honor God first. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. If you're not familiar with the Bible, when God led, uh, led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, he established his covenant with Moses and with the people. And what he did was he established there are certain annual festivals that they were commanded to hold. One of them is Passover. You might be familiar with that. But there's another one that I want to talk about when we talk about this passage. There was a festival called the Festival of the First Fruits. Here's how this would work. Every year when they were getting ready to harvest, when that harvest was first kind of starting to come on, the people would gather all of the stuff that was ready to be harvest. And they would collect it, and it would be the first fruits, and they would offer that as a sacrifice to God. Now, this is a, a society that's based a lot on farming and livestock and those types of things. And, and if you remember me saying this before, they didn't have a high V down the street, right? There wasn't a Walmart that's right down the road. So this was their livelihood. I'll put it this way. If they gave their first fruits to God, 
and there was a bad storm or, or a bunch of bugs came in, they would wipe out their crop. They would literally starve to death. Okay? This is a big deal for them to give to God their first fruit, their animal sacrifices, and their crops. The first of it would always go to this festival called the first fruits. And why would God ask the people to do that? And here's the key. He never want them to forget that he was the grower. God gives us everything. And so we bless God first. We honor God with our first fruits. Because when we do that, we remember who God is. And it's a place of faith. It's to say, God, I trust you no matter what. I am going to be put my faith in you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, but I, I, I might have grown up on a farm, but I'm not much of a farmer. Okay? I can hardly grow grass in my yard, all right? But, but nowadays, we don't have like crops, and we might not have livestock, and, and we might have a lot of other things, but what we really have is we have a paycheck. And, and so this is still a principle that exists today. Even though it's not the livestock and, and the crops and the grains, but instead it's our finances. And I can show you again throughout Scripture where God says we still need to honor God with our first. And we have that. You hear me say this a lot of time. We talk about a tithe. A tithe is you take the first 10% of what God gives you and you return it to God. That's what Elaine and I do. We, and we've done this now for over 12 years. The first 10% of what we make, we return right to God. In fact, this morning, um, as I was preparing for this message, I realized, oh, it's actually February. We, we, we live our months on a, a monthly budget, and I realized that it's February, the last day today. And I said, oh, you know what? We need to tithe today. So before, actually, literally as I was preparing for this message, I, I, I quit, went on and, and did our tithe right away. Why? Because that's what we want to show. We want to be faithful with what God's given us. And, and it may sound simple. It may sound a little technical. But it's actually true. We need to honor God with our first. We need to give, return to God that first 10% that he gives us. But the reality is in life, most of us don't do that. Most of us would rather give God our leftovers. Like, for example, when we get our paycheck, we might pay our house, we might pay our car, we might pay our utility bills, we might buy food, and all of those things are good, don't get me wrong. But then when we come to the end of our budget and we say, oh, okay, God, this is what I have left over. And, and so, sorry, God, I, you know, I'm going to give you what's left over. And sometimes we get to the end of the month and we get, oh, God, there's not enough left over for you. And, and so, God, I'm not going to be able to return that to you. And, and if that's your mindset, I, I want to let you know I love you. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. But, but I just want to challenge you on that. That's not a he mindset. That, that's not what God is trying to help us to get. See, when we pay our mortgage to our house uh, for the mortgage company... They don't have the power to save our marriage. God does. When, when we pay our, our balances to Capital One, they don't have the power to save your lost child. Jesus does. And, and God says these principles. He teaches us these principles so we can understand that he gives us everything. And when we honor God first, we can always know that that's where we're living is a he mindset. Now, every time I talk about this message, and, and we've shared this before, there's always a little bit of pushback. And I just want to let you know, if you're feeling that way, if you're watching online right now, I love you. And I just want to let you know something that I'm still glad that you're here. And I want you to continue to keep coming. Because here's what I understand is, is if that's not there yet, if you're not quite there yet, God still loves you. And so do we. 
And we need to keep walking down this journey together. We need to start developing that he mindset. And I want to work together to do that as well. Now, many of you have heard this, the rest of this message before. And, and I'm going to continue to say this because it's, it's that important. But I'm going to kind of take a little different approach today. And, and I'm going to see, it's going to seem kind of like a left turn. So stay with me here for a minute. But two of the major aspects of a Sunday morning gathering are typically music and the message, right? If we came in here this morning and we would all gather and there was absolutely no music, that would have been kind of weird, right? Where, where you would have been like, oh, that's, that's unusual. Even if you're not a church person, sometimes you might think, oh, yeah, that, I, I would expect music to be there. Now, the same way, if you came to the Sunday gathering today and there was no message and I didn't get up here or anything or, or talk or anything, you might say, wow, the pastor's kind of lazy. <laughs> or or you, might say, you might say, well, that's weird. It's kind of weird. So the music and the message are a big, important part of our Sunday morning gatherings. They always have been in, in every church I've ever been to, right? So where am I going with this? Well, I find it really interesting in the church. A lot of times we see music and the message on different spectrums. Here's what I mean by that. When it comes to music on Sunday morning, we like the familiar. We, we like the songs that we know. We like, you know, I've heard this before, like the old hymns and all of that stuff. And this isn't a, a debate on music, so I'm not trying. But that's kind of what we like. We like to hear music that's familiar. But when it comes to the message, what, what we like is we like the pastor to come up with something new every single week. Right? We, we like to come up with a completely different thing to say. Um, you know, like, for example, I heard a, a comedian talk about pastors preaching messages. And this is what he said. He said, basically, pastors, uh, every week they give a book report on the exact same book every single week. I'm like, that's kind of true. What a message would be, right? Well, now, why am I saying all that? Because here's what I want to understand as a church. This message that I'm going to share, I've shared it before. And if you're part of Celebrate, you've heard it. Some of you probably heard it multiple times. And if you're new to Celebrate, you're not only going to hear it today, you'll hear it again and again because it's, it's what matters to God and what matters to us too. But here's my point telling you all that about the music, right? This is my goal. When I preach this message someday, I, I, I'd like this. So walk with me for a second. How many of you have ever gone to a concert, thinking about music again, right? And you pay money to go see your favorite artist. And, and, and you go into a concert and the stadium's full, right? Remember we used to have stadiums full of people for music? And they start playing your favorite song. And you hear it at the concert. You know what I've never heard? I've never heard anyone in the stands go, oh, I can't believe they're playing that song again. <laughs> right? That would be weird. What usually happens? The whole crowd stands up and they start singing along with the song, right? You guys ever experienced that where you had a concert? And like, oh, this is a great song. We're hearing it. Even though you've heard it a hundred times before. You're paying money to go see them sing it to you again. And what the really good artists do in those moments is they usually step away from the microphone, right? And they let the crowd sing the song back to them. Anybody ever experienced that at a concert before? That's really cool. Now, where am I going with all this? Here's the point. Someday when I preach this message, I would love for the crowd just to stand up and start cheering. <laughs> and I'd love for the crowd, how cool this be? The crowd would just start preaching the message back to me. Now that'd be a little weird maybe, right? But, but that's where I'm going with this because here's the thing. This is God's word. It doesn't change, right? And, and, and one of the things I'm learning as a pastor and growing in my craft of, of communication and preaching messages is I don't have to get all creative and try to recreate the wheel every single Sunday. Sometimes there's certain truths and certain principles of God's word that we just need to hear again. And so we're going to walk through that again. 
And so today, if you want to go ahead and take your note sheet out, I'm going to give you three reasons to honor God first. Three reasons to honor God first. All right, no crowd, no, no applause, no cheering. All right, I'll try. We'll get there eventually, church. Okay, let's try it one more time. We're going to give three reasons to honor God first. Yeah, all right. <laughs> good effort. Good A for effort, right? We're going to try this. Here's the first one. If you got your notes, I want you to write these down. God saved me from bondage. God saved me from bondage. We're going to go back and look at the, the children of Israel as they're leaving Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 12, God did something really powerful. They were been enslaved for over 400 years. And God said, I'm going to set you free. And it's going to happen in one day. Today you're slaves. Tomorrow when you wake up, you are going to be free. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to take you to the promised land. And it was a miracle. It was powerful. It was awesome. It was great. In Exodus chapter 12, that's what happened. In Exodus chapter 13, God does something very interesting. The very next chapter, God says in verse 11, After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, that promised land, and gives it to you, as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, listen to this, church, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All of the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. The very first thing God told his chosen people, literally the next chapter after he had delivered them from the Passover, is he said, the first one is mine. The first one always belongs to me. Honor me first. And he says a word there about redemption. He's saying we're going to redeem these animals, which means that they belong to me. And, and, and I'll just apply it to our money, situation, finances. Either way, our finances come out of our account. We spend money whether we, whether we give it to God or not, typically it goes. And, and I want to, there's a principle here that we need to really focus on. And this is the idea that there is a clean and there is an unclean. In, in, in the Jewish law, the donkey was considered an unclean animal. And the lamb was considered a clean animal. You would use the clean animal, the lamb, to redeem the unclean animal, the donkey. Hold on to that. We'll come back to that. But here's why. And God never tells us to do something without explaining the why. And here's the why in verse 14. In the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord our God brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Do you know why God said the first one is mine? Because we forget so quickly. And God said, someday you're going to have kids. And these kids are going to grow up in freedom, away from the slavery of Egypt. And they're not going to understand why every time there's a little lamb that's born, that first one goes straight to God. And they're going to say, because I don't want to forget what God has done for me. And if you don't know anything about the Bible, the whole rest of the Old Testament is basically the nation of Israel forgetting what God has done for them. Do you know why God told them that right away? Because he knew that. He knows how we're wired. He knows how quickly we can forget the work he has done in our lives. And one of the reasons why God says the first one is mine is to remind us all the time that God saved us from bondage. Now, you might not have grown up in slavery, 
But can I help you with something? Every single one of us is a slave to sin. Every single one of us have done things in our life that we are ashamed of and have been separated from God's glory. And just to make it personal for you guys that don't know my story and Elaine and I's story, there was a part in our relationship and our marriage where we were separated. And our marriage was in the toilet. We were living in separate houses. Our kids were living in separate houses. And God, with a mighty hand, came in and restored our marriage. And this summer, we're going to be celebrating 20 years of marriage together because that's what my God can do. Why do I tell you that? Because this morning, when I returned to God, what belongs to Him and put Him first, that's why I did it. How can I ever outgive my God? What can I ever possibly give to Him to say thank you for what He's done alone in my marriage, let alone in the fact that I get to be in heaven with Jesus forever? And, and church, we're in the same boat. We give to God first because He has saved us from bondage. We can never forget that. We need to always remember what God's done for us. Here's the second thing God's done. God has redeemed me into his family. There's that word redeemed again. In the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now that's a lot of verses I want to try to unpack for you. But basically, when God set the children of Israel free in Egypt, and they had the Passover, and he set that precedent, all of that was to foreshadow what Jesus was going to do. When the set time had fully come, Jesus was born under the law. Jesus was born perfect. I said before, every single one of us has failed. Every single one of us have made mistakes. Every single one of us deserve God's punishment and wrath, except for Jesus. Jesus was born as a human. Jesus lived an entirely perfect life. If I could just say it this way, Jesus was clean. He was the lamb. We talked about Jesus being the lamb, right? Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you and I, are you and I clean or are we unclean? unclean? We're unclean, right? We're unclean. We're born in sin. Was Jesus clean or unclean? Jesus was clean. Remember what God said back in Exodus? This is why I'm tying this in together. The clean will redeem the unclean. It costs you the clean to redeem the unclean. Jesus was the clean, and he redeemed you and I because we were unclean before God. Here's my point in saying all that. Jesus is God's tithe to you and I. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Not only was it his first, it was his best, it was his only. And why did he do that? So that you and I cannot perish, but have eternal life. Every single man, woman, or child who has been born on planet Earth has been born into sin. And every single one of us deserve God's wrath and His judgment. But God in His great mercy has sent Jesus to redeem us who are unclean with the clean. And, and, and this is the cool part about what Paul's writing here. What he's saying to us is to say, listen, you are not just some sort of like add-on. 
Okay? God didn't just add you onto his family. God has given you the right to be an heir. God doesn't see you as a second-class citizen. When we accept what Jesus has done for us and we ask God for forgiveness, God sees us as equals, co-heirs with Christ, what the Bible says in other places. And an heir, if you know about family, what does an heir do to deserve the inheritance? Nothing. <laughs> it's just who they are. You receive an inheritance as an heir simply because of who you are. Church, do you understand who my God is? The God who created the entire universe? The God who owns everything? That is what we are called co-heirs with Christ in that thing. We are his family. We have been redeemed because of the blood of Christ. So why do we honor God with our first? It's because God saved me from bondage. And God has redeemed me into his family. But here's the third reason why we honor God with our first. God has blessed me to be a blessing. God has blessed me to be a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9 says, remember this. Whenever the Bible says remember this, we should probably pay attention, right? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You've heard me say this before, but I want to unpack it for you again. This is the reason, this verse is the reason why we don't pass the plates to celebrate anything. We started when we launched, we would pass the plates. Every church planning manual will tell you you should always pass the plates because you always get more offerings, and we did it. I didn't feel good about it, and when God really revealed to me in this verse, I said, we're not doing it anymore. We're not going to pass the plates because here's what I, I mean with the bottom of my heart. You can come to this church the rest of your life and not give a dime, and I will not love you any less. We have it there if you would like to give it. Don't feel like you're giving under reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. And we're going to continue to do that because we believe that we should be God's people. And God's people will honor God first. Not because the pastor tells you to. Not because we're in need. Can I just tell you something, church? I'll just be honest with you. We're not in need. It's been a tough year, absolutely. Yes, I understand that. But, but God's blessed this church. And, and we haven't gone without have we had to make some cuts? You bet. But am I talking to you because we need some sort of money or need something from you? Absolutely not. God has always provided that. But I shared with you about a month or so ago that we actually kind of have a goofy goal. I'm a little goofy. You can't figure that out. But we have a goofy goal here at Celebrate. We have a goal that we want to start passing the plates again. You might say, well, Pastor, that just contradicts what you said. No, it's not. Hear me out. Here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe that we have people in this church who want to put God first and who are doing that already. And I believe, and, and I've said this from the beginning, from the time Elaine and I came down here to plan, if we have 25 families in our church, 25 families in our church that are committed to honoring God first, we will have enough money in our budget to cover all of our expenses and everything we need to cover. Plus, at this point, we would be able to hire two part-time staff. Many of you know I was full-time pastor for a while. I'm not doing that again. I believe in my heart that God wants me to stay part-time. And I believe that if, as we grow and as God adds more people, there will be more demands that won't be me. Because there's a lot of things that I'm good at. There's a lot of things that I'm not good at. And so we want to hire people 
in a part-time role who are going to take over those jobs for me that will help grow the church. And if we get to that capacity right there, I'm telling you, we could get there. And, and I've seen it. I've done the math. So what am I talking about with passing the plate? How cool would it be if we have 25 families that say, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to honor God with that. We pass the plate on Sunday morning, and everything that was collected Sunday morning would be over and above our budget. And we as a church would just give it away. We would just say, okay, this month we're going to support, let's say we're going to support Pathways. And everything that's collected on Sunday morning is over and above our budget. We've got our expenses covered. We've got our bills covered. We're, we're being responsible with what God's given us. So we're going to take this offering, because that's what that is. It's an over and above. And we're just going to give it away. How cool would that be, church, if we could do that? And I believe in my heart that we could do that. I believe that that is something that we can get to. And I'm just going to go ahead and make a statement and say this. I believe we can get there by this fall. Now, I, I, that might seem kind of extreme, but I believe in a big God. I, I believe in a God who can do mighty things in our world and in our church if we have the faith in believing Him. 2 Corinthians 9.8. This is a verse that I think some of us might need to just plaster on our wall and just read this again. Actually, let's go ahead and read this verse out loud together because I think this is so powerful. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why does God bless you? There's two words in there that matter. So that. God blesses you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Church, do you believe that? Julie, my, my God can do that? Now, I want to be careful when I say this because I know that there's people who take the Bible and twist it. And they want to say that somehow giving to God is some sort of cosmic retirement plan. You've heard these people on TV, right? Where if you give me $10, God will rain down money on you. That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's complete biblical heresy. If you hear somebody say that, you need to stop it. But, but here's what I want you to understand. My God is able to bless us. And when we put him first, he will honor that. And this next verse, verse 11, in the same chapter, says, just kind of unpacks that for us. You will be enriched in every way so that, there's those two words again, right? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God blesses us not for our benefit. God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others, so that we can be generous in every occasion. Church, can I just say it real simple for you? It's not about me. It's not even about we. It's always about He and how we can be a blessing to others. As we're landing this plane and closing the series, we're going to go to this verse one more time. If you've been here every week, we've said this verse. And we've prayed it as a prayer to God. Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9. It's going to be on the screen. And let's go ahead and just read this out loud together as a prayer to God as we're talking about our finances. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal. And so, so dishonor the name of my God. God. Church, again, it's not wrong to be rich. It's not wrong to be poor. It's wrong to forget God. And it's wrong to dishonor Him. 
The entire Old Testament talks about a people who claim to follow God who have forgotten Him and have forgotten Him and forgotten Him, and they don't honor Him with their first. And when I look at the church in the United States of America right now, I think that sometimes we've forgotten God. When we don't honor God with the first of what He gives us. So, so as we bring this to a close, church, I'm going to ask you one more time. Are your finances based on you? Can all you see is the problems right in front of you and, and taking care of all of your stuff? Or are your finances based on we? Like you, you, you share or you, maybe you bless other people, but, it, but it's kind of more for, for the benefit of those around you. Or are your finances based on you? And there's one way to tell where you're at. Do you honor God with your first? Well, whatever God's given you, that first part, you take it and go. Just think of the faith of those people. They didn't know. If they, if they honored God with their first, they literally could starve to death. But they did it with rejoicing and glad tidings because they knew who their God was. And, and I'll just say it again. Elaine and I have been faithfully tithing for over 10 years now. Have we always got it right? No. Have there been tough times? Yep. Have there been times of abundance? You bet. But can I tell you the one thing that's been constant? Our faith has never wavered one time. Because we know that our God will provide all our needs according to his riches. We know my God is able to bless us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, we can abound in every good work. It's exactly why we're here in Yankton and why we're not going anywhere. Because <laughs> we love you. We love this community. And we're so excited for how the generosity that God allows us to do will be a blessing to so many people. God, you know how much I struggle <laughs> with this message every single time. And, and God, I know that this is from you. I know it's from your word. It doesn't make it any easier to, to speak. And if we're being honest, it doesn't make it any easier to receive. And God, I know that in, in this crowd, in this room, and those who are watching online, we have all kinds of different financial situations. We have all kinds of different incomes. I, I get that. But God, I pray right now that in the hearts and minds of everyone who's listening to the sound of my voice, they would understand these three truths. That you saved us from bondage. Every single person, including myself, deserves your wrath and punishment because of the actions that we've done. But in your grace and in your love, you saved us from that. And God, you didn't just get us into heaven and check the box and now move on. No, God, you've redeemed us to be part of your family. God, we are co-heirs with Christ. We have all that you could possibly give. But God, you don't bless us for our benefit. You bless us to be a blessing to others. God, I pray that you would give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me my daily bread. That I will not disown you, or I will not become poor and steal and dishonor you. God, that's my prayer. That's our prayer for this church. That's my prayer for every person in this room. Because, God, I just believe with all my heart that you're, you're just preparing to do something really powerful. And, and you're looking around for who can be faithful. Who, who of us can say yes to you and honor you in faith? 
God, even if the math doesn't make sense, God, I pray for Financial Peace University that, that that would be a step to say, hey, maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe some people that are listening right now, that's where they need to start. They say, Pastor, I'd love to honor God first. I don't think I can. Go to Financial Peace. Join them. That it would learn the skills to help you get to a place where you could get to honor God first. And God, I pray that you would love, continue to show your love and we would show that love to others, God. And that we would honor you in all that you do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at the Minerva's Convention Center. We also broadcast this time live online from our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, Celebrate Yankton. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website, yankton.church. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and share it with others.